All right, Break Hard Podcast, back again for another week, back-to-back weeks of the podcast. Look at that. We're getting back to a regular schedule. NASCAR is headed into the playoffs. Formula One is maybe still drowning. We don't know yet, but they're headed into their second half of the season. And we got IndyCar coming back for a triple header here, what, another week uh, or so. So to end out their season. So we got to do the podcast every week. De- next 10 weeks, we'll be banging them out um, week after week, Sunday after Sunday. And by we, I mean myself sitting here on my couch. Got racing reference pulled up. I got highlights on the television here. Let's get straight into it. NASCAR Cup Series cutoff race at Daytona. Before we even get into that, the fact that NASCAR doesn't have all three series start their playoffs at the same track on the same weekend is asinine to me. The truck started theirs last weekend. Their playoffs started last weekend at Gateway on Friday night. The Cup Series will start next Sunday, or this upcoming Sunday, I should say, uh, on Labor Day at the Southern 500. And then the Xfinity Series, they don't start theirs until, fuck, when is theirs? I'm trying to think now here off the top of my head. Do they start at Richmond? It's stupid. It's so dumb that we don't have these all together. Yeah, they have Darlington, Richmond. They start theirs at Bristol. Why? Why are they doing this? It makes no sense to me. So Bristol, Vegas, Talladega, Roval, Fort Worth. No. Shit. They start theirs. They have to start theirs at Richmond, right? Richmond, Bristol, Vegas, Talladega, Roval, Texas, Kansas, Martinsville, Phoenix. Yeah, all right. So Darlington is their cutoff race. It makes absolutely no sense. It's so frustrating that they do it this way. But I guess that is what it is. So the Cup Series got after it Saturday night uh, under the lights at Daytona. I'm going to check NASCAR.com real quick. It is the most trusted source of NASCAR information, if you can even figure out what the heck it is you're looking for on their website. All right, let me see here. NASCAR Xfinity Series. Give me the NASCAR Xfinity Series schedule, as they said this morning on the F1 broadcast for three hours as we all sat there and watched going, what the heck is happening here? Okay. Wait a second. Their playoffs don't start until Vegas. Oh, because they only have 12 drivers. Forgot about that. Forgot. My apologies. My apologies. So they still have Darlington, Richmond, and Bristol to go. Bristol's their cutoff race. Then they go Vegas, Talladega, Charlotte, Roval. That's an absolutely stupid open round, opening round there. And then they go Texas, Kansas, Martinsville. That's a little bit tamer. And then... Um, Six o'clock start at Martin. I guess it'll end under the lights because that's going to be what October thirtieth, and then Phoenix to close it out. All right, so that is that's what that is. Great, glad we looked it up. This is a factual podcast, and I want to bring you guys all of the facts. No misinformation here. I don't need Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, or TikTok labeling this as. Misinformation. All right. Coke Zero Sugar 400. Saturday night under the lights at Daytona. We talked about that. You already know what happened. Ryan Blaney, back-to-back wins. One last week at Michigan on a late race restart uh, and the fact that you couldn't pass. One thing, okay, this is a bit of a rant. This is going to be my, well, no, I got a couple. I got, this is basically just going to be a ranting podcast this week because there's a lot of dumb things I want to rant about. I just want to talk about Michigan. 
the fact that Jeff Gluck and Jordan Bianchi on their podcast said that that was one of the best Michigan races that they can remember. You couldn't pass the leader. What is good about that if you can't pass the leader? Blaney got out front. He had the seventh fastest car all day. The two fastest cars couldn't pass him. It's so stupid that people consider that to be a good race. Oh, well, they should have gone up there and passed him. They tried. It's impossible. So stupid that we have to consider that a good race because Blaney got a good restart. And this isn't a knock on Blaney. He's don't hate the player, hate the game. I'm I'm hating the uh, NA18D package, which is the high downforce package. But anyway, Blaney goes back-to-back first time in his career. Obviously, um, he now has three wins in a season, which triples the amount of wins he's had previously in a season. Um, triples? Yeah, I guess so. Uh, but yeah, so he leads seven laps on Saturday night, gets the victory, in part thanks to the Rick Ware cars, taking each other out. Three Rick Ware cars involved in a late race caution that resulted in three more big accidents after that. So, yeah, not not the best night for for the Rick Ware boys. But, yeah, with um, 20, 19 laps to go in the race, Gary Smithley blows a tire coming out of turn four, collects his two, two of his teammates. That brings out the caution right in the middle of the pit stop's cycle so the Fords had already pitted Chevys and Toyotas were just getting ready to come to pit road probably within the next lap or two uh, obviously that didn't happen all the Fords cycle back to the front Chevys Toyotas had to start behind them that was you know prime opportunity for a Ford to win the race obviously and then we had a massive wreck I shouldn't say massive we had a eight car incident uh, with 13 laps to go that brought out the caution and then we had another big crash that involved two, four, six, eight, ten, eleven cars with uh, two laps to go. And then on the last lap, we had another gigantic wreck, which collected three, six, nine, ten cars. So we managed to collect a lot of race cars on Saturday night. And NASCAR came into this race with a package of 450 horsepower, which is completely ridiculous. That I'm trying to think of the right word here. Completely ridiculous that a NASCAR Cup Series car has 450 horsepower when you can go out and buy the the, the Camaro ZL1, which is what Chevy runs in the Cup Series, has 450 horsepower. The street version has 700. So, yeah, same with the Mustang. It, in certain packages, has way more than 450 horsepower. But here we are, just acting like this is completely fine. This is what the manufacturers want, because this is what the fans want. All right. But, yeah, it, it's a little perplexing to to have that. I, I, don't, I don't necessarily get it, but apparently this is what the people want, and the people are not you – me and everybody else apparently that is on the internet. Regardless, Ryan Blaney wins. Um, the package, that 450 horsepower package, created like I saw a lot of people say it looked like the old pack racing back in like the mid 2000s, which people really liked. And honestly, to an extent, there it was a little bit. Uh, we saw a lot of guys when they would get out front were able to control both lanes. And the runs weren't so massive that they couldn't block them. However, they're like there were still really big runs to have happen. And I can't remember who said it, but they said, I think it might have been Chase Elliott, said everything was kind of happening in slow motion. 
because the runs were a lot slower, which because the runs were a lot slower made it a little bit easier to control the pack if you were able to get out front. So the whole idea for this was to slow the cars down so they wouldn't get upside down, which, again, I'll give them to them. They didn't get upside down, but we still wrecked a hell of a lot of race cars. It's not the runs that are wrecking race cars. It's the desperation that NASCAR has created with the four super speedway races every year, specifically the first three. The Daytona 500. Everybody wants to win the Daytona 500. Also, if you win the Daytona 500, you're locked into the playoffs, more than likely, unless you have a really bad season. Get to Talladega. Everybody knows that they have a shot at winning at Talladega. Creates for a lot of lot of drama. Flash forward to the Daytona cutoff race at the end of the regular season. A lot of desperate driving. I mean, I Chris Buescher looked incredibly desperate out there, making moves that were left and right just over the top dangerous and just not there. Managed to finish second until he had a uh, post-race inspection and got moved to the back, which was funny because at the beginning of the race we were watching it, and I was like, man, that 17 is dragging pretty bad like compared to everybody else. Like He was just – that car was not coming off the ground. Eh, turns out there's a reason for that. But, yeah, so the package, I mean – if it's all in the name of safety to not get cars to go upside down, I'm totally fine with that. Like, nobody wants to see cars go upside down. But at the same time, like, uh, you still wrecked a whole bunch of race cars. I mean, at the end here, what they consider crash is 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21. So 21 of at least 21 of the 30 or 40 race cars. Half the field was involved in a wreck. I take it back. No, 22, 23, 24, 25. Okay, so 25 to 26 cars were involved in a wreck. That's insane. Absolutely insane uh, to be like, oh, this package was better. And then, you know, this happens. But... It's not the track's fault. It's not the package's fault. It's the drivers knowing that this is their best opportunity to capitalize and steal a win. Especially for these guys that are mid-pack and back markers. They know that this is an opportunity for them to win. And this is what NASCAR wanted. NASCAR loves drama. NASCAR is an entertainment brand before they're a sporting brand. And this is exactly what they want. Is for things like this to play out. Things like Saturday night. whole lot of wrecks. You put a couple guys up there that are super desperate, Chris Buescher, Ross Chastain, uh, Matt Benedetto, and you're going to get things that happen like this, and that's exactly what happened. Buescher, like I said, driving insane. Benedetto throwing blocks that he has no business throwing. Um, Newman finished third. Good for him. Ryan Priest fourth. Again, Ryan Priest is going to hang around at a super speedway race long enough that he's going to end up winning one of these. Bubba Wallace finished second. Huge, huge day for those guys. Um, but, yeah, you get some random names up here. P.J. McLeod, top 10, P9. Josh Balicki, P10. All right. Justin Haley in the 77, P6. Yeah, NASCAR's created this this um, this uh, what am I – what's the right word I'm looking for? Not mentality, situation, environment where – People are desperate because they know this is their best shot to win. And uh, 
and you want to get your sponsor, it's a lot better to sell to a sponsor next year that you made the playoffs than it is to say, hey, we finished 17th in points. Um, is what it is, though. But, yeah, I I thought the race was fine. Like, I saw, again, Gluck, who's been drinking the NASCAR Kool-Aid pretty heavy here recently. If they asked him to move to a remote town in the jungle, I think at this point he probably would. Called it the best restrictor plate or best super speedway race he's seen in years, which I don't necessarily agree with that. I don't think what we saw with the really big run package was the best that we've seen either. I think super speedway racing has its own sort of eras, and we go through them and we talk about how bad they are, and we look back and we're like, oh, that might not have been so bad. Tandem era, people hate the tandem era. I thought tandem era was actually pretty entertaining. Um, a lot of guys thought that they might be able to tandem on Saturday night that didn't seem to happen and also that could have just been the fact that they didn't have any practice time to get out there and even try it but uh it puts Blaney gets him his third win here that puts him uh second overall headed into the playoffs starting this Sunday night so he's behind old Kyle Larson 28 points behind Kyle Larson he's uh tied with Martin Truex Jr. for the second spot Kyle Busch enters as the four seed. Chase Elliott as the fifth seed. Bowman as the sixth seed. Uh, tied with Denny Hamlin for that spot. William Byron comes in um, in eighth. Logano, Kurt Busch, Brad Kozlowski. Michael McDowell ahead of Eric Almarola, Chris Rebell, Tyler Reddick, and Kevin Harvick. Kevin Harvick is the 16th seed. He entered last year with a massive points lead. Everybody thought that Kevin Harvick would just make it to Phoenix and probably win a championship. Obviously did not happen. And um, Harvick has not been back to victory lane uh, since last season. And he enters 50 points behind already. Um, take out stage points, he's already a full race behind. It'll be interesting to see what he can do in this opening round. Um, yeah, Tyler Reddick snuck his not I shouldn't say snuck his way in. Got into the uh, playoffs with a fifth-place finish in a pretty wrecked race car. His teammate, Austin Dillon, super aggressive all night as well. Uh, he had battery issues, finished his P17, and got involved in the crash as well. Corey LaJoy looked like he might have a shot at this at the end. Uh, a lot of these guys that needed to win kind of hung out in the back and then came up to the front at the end. And the, I get the whole mentality of that, like save yourself until the end. But none of them understood how how to get the momentum or how to use the momentum to their advantage in the draft. And as soon as they got up to the front, they were had no idea how to make a run, get a run, pick up a run, and all they did was just try to resort to blocking and desperate blocking at that. So uh, they might want to revisit that for Talladega or uh, even next year. Daniel Suarez's team seemed to believe that he was in position to win. I don't necessarily think that was true, but like he probably would have had a really good finish uh, if he would have made it through there. Ricky Stenhouse Jr. thought that he might have a good run as well. Didn't happen. But, yeah, super excited for BJ McLeod. Top 10 for, for him and that Live Fast Motorsports team with Matt Tiff. Uh, so, you know, Super Speedways are a place where a small team like that can get a top 10. I don't expect them to come out to Darlington next week and, and run top 10. But, you know, hopefully it's something they can build off of and, and it helps them get their name out there just a little bit more. But, yeah, the uh, Cup Series, they're off to – Darlington on Sunday night for the Southern 500. That'll be probably a four-hour affair, so strap in. Um, Ross Chastain, 
Listen, Ross Chastain is a showman. You put that guy in a semi-competitive car on a super speedway, and he's gonna he's gonna bring the action. I if Ross Chastain needed to do something other than NASCAR driver, it'd probably be like a WWE superstar. I've never watched WWE, but he seems like the perfect guy because wherever he goes, shit follows. And I don't know if that's good or bad. He squeezes himself into places that you absolutely should not be trying to put a race car. He's blocking left and right, bouncing off of things, cut a tire down, somehow still running like six and five laps later. He's out of control, but it's entertaining. It's fun to watch. People are probably pissed off about it. But, hey, Ross is up there doing his thing, led some laps as well. So good on uh, good on old Ross there. Uh, Joey Logano, decent car all night. He and Chase Elliott probably had the best cars. I would think both of them seem to be able to do come and go as they pleased and make make passes when they needed to. So uh, Chase threw a pathetic block on Matt DiBenedetto, who also was throwing really bad blocks, and they kind of just blocked each other into the wall, which is um, certainly something that you can do uh, at Daytona or Talladega. But Overall, I thought it was a good. I thought it was a good super speedway race. I wouldn't call it the best I've ever seen. I wouldn't call it the worst I've ever seen. I thought it was just acceptable. Uh, it kind of lacked drama at the end. Anytime you have a big wreck on the last lap, the caution comes out like anticlimactic is at best. So Blaney wins. Bubba second. Newman third. Priest fourth, and Tyler Reddick fifth to round out your top five. Darlington this weekend, 750 horsepower package. Uh, they repaved turn two, so that'll be interesting to see how that plays out. And uh, it's the Southern 500. Everybody wants to win it. Crown Jewel event. Not a throwback weekend, though. Except the Wood Brothers are running their throwback this weekend, even though throwback weekend was in May. But whatever. Good good for them. Um, let me get up the other page here. So, yeah, we got Darlington, Richmond, and Bristol to open up this first round. Um, three night races in a row. Four night races in a row. Hot damn. Southern 500 on Sunday night. Uh, starts at 6 o'clock on NBCSN. The weekend after, Saturday night at Richmond, 7.30. And then the weekend after that, Saturday night, Bristol night race at 7.30 as well. And then we're off to Las Vegas for a 7 p.m. East Coast start time. Uh, 4 o'clock there. So, that sh yeah, that finishes under the lights uh, as well. So, excited for – I'm just excited for the playoffs. Other than Richmond. Richmond can kind of fuck off. Nobody really cares about Richmond. Um, the action track hasn't produced a decent race since like 2005, maybe. Um, but you know, is what it is. Xfinity Series race, college cars, perfect execution from the college racing team. Uh, they all are committed to one another until that last lap, and then <laughs> they're running one, two, three. So it, on the last lap, going to turn three and four, they decide to go three wide. So the only way to for somebody else to win was to go through them, and that wasn't about to happen. So Justin Haley wins the race. A.J. Allmendinger finishes second, and Jeb Burton finishes fourth. I believe Justin Allgaier snuck in there and uh, stole one, stole that top three or that one, two, three finish for, for Colleg. But, yeah, it's amazing how committed they are to each other and uh, what they can do with that. So Haley gets his first win of the season, locks himself into the playoffs. Allmendinger continues his pretty good run here with a second place finish. Allgaier gets a third, Burton fourth, and uh, Daniel Hemrick in fifth. Hemrick probably could have won the race, except he did
did a Matt Benedetto and just kind of handed it away there at the end. Mike Snyder dumped uh, Chris Rebell, not Chris Rebell, Austin Cendrick early in the race and uh, kind of took him out. Austin or AJ Allmendinger now has taken over the regular season points lead for the Xfinity cars with three races to play. They'll be back in action on Friday night. Saturday night. Saturday night. Saturday night from – I don't even know if it's Saturday night now. i got to check the schedule because they usually run this race, like, during the day. Yeah, 3.30 on Saturday. Whatever. Um, the Help a Hero 200 uh, from Darlington. So, excited for Darlington this weekend. It's Darlington. Everybody gets excited for Darlington. All right. Biggest rant part of the night before we get off of here. The Formula One farce that happened at Spa-Francorchamps this morning. So, it rained in Spa. It always rains in Spa. You're in the Arden Forest. There's a lot of moisture up there. It's like the Smoky Mountains, just prettier. And minus Gautenberg and uh, all the cruise ship amenities that just crashed into the valley that is Pigeon Forge. But Formula One shows up this morning. It's raining. They know that. They roll all the cars out on the grid. They pop up all the pop-up tents. None of them are branded, which I don't know if that's an FIA rule, but it's a massive miss by the teams to not have all those tents branded. They delay the start by 45 minutes. They fire up the cars. They send them out for a formation lap around behind the pace car and then a one lap around behind the pace car before pulling back onto pit road and red flagging the race because there's too much water on the track which there definitely was. You're not going to hear me say there wasn't a lot of water. Flash forward like two hours later, they fire up the cars again. They take them out for one lap behind the pace car. And then they park them again. They red flag the race. And then they wait about another hour. And then they deem the race official and award half points because two laps were completed. Two laps were completed behind the safety car. At no point was anyone able to advance their position because the race was never green flagged, essentially. But yet, we were still awarded half points. Max Verstappen is still awarded with a win. The podium celebration still happened. Max and Red Bull leave with trophies. But nobody ever got a chance to pass each other. It was literally a two-lap pace car parade. And they said, that's a race. And they called it. This is the biggest disgrace for Formula One since the 2005 USGP when Michelin couldn't build a tire strong enough to last. Now, you have fans that are pissed off because they sell two laps of pace car speed. I gotta stop calling it pace car. Safety car speed. So they're pissed off that they paid money for it. Lewis Hamilton says fans need to get their money back. Fernando Alonso says fans need to get their money back. The FIA and Formula One said a race occurred after they said a race didn't occur. But then they said a race did occur. They just weren't able to go full distance. They can't race on Monday for a whole bunch of logistical reasons, none of which were given. They race in Zandvoort this upcoming weekend in the Netherlands. Let me just look up how far it is from Spa-Frankerchamps. Here's Spa on the map. Looks very lovely from Google Maps. If you haven't seen it, check it out. And Zandvoort in the Netherlands. It's a 
Three-hour and 11-minute drive. They could have finished the race tomorrow and driven there and had fucking tea before bedtime. What are we talking about? The logistics aren't there. That's like telling me. It's like me in Cincinnati driving to Knoxville and being like, ah, oh, it's just too far. I can't do it. What are we talking about right now, Formula One? God, I didn't realize that it was that close. I knew it was really close. I know they're neighboring countries. I'm very smart when it comes to maps. I didn't realize Spa. Fuck, if Spa would have been even closer to Brussels, we could have been there in under three. We could have been there in two and a half. This is pathetic. Absolutely pathetic that they are not going to run on a Monday. That's so stupid. So, yeah. Formula One, Max Verstappen is now three points behind Lewis Hamilton, even though Lewis never got the opportunity to get to second or even challenge Max for the win. George Russell gets his first career podium um, and Williams' first podium in, what, shit, probably six years, seven years? So, good on George. He gets a podium after he was robbed of one last year with Mercedes when he filled in. Probably should have uh, – not probably should have won that race. Um Mercedes, speaking of Mercedes, Toto Wolf said that he's made his decision, but he's not making it, um, he's not announcing it yet. Lewis would like Valtteri to remain as his teammate, which I get, like he continually kicks Valtteri's ass, except Valtteri doesn't score enough points for the team uh, and the constructors. So they kind of need George because he seems to be a talent, if you will. But yeah. Can't race on Monday, too too much of a logistical challenge. Even though they could literally have ran Monday. They could have raced at any point on Monday. Packed everything up by Tuesday. Driven to Zanvoort on Tuesday. And then unpacked everything Wednesday, Thursday, and be ready for Friday practice on Friday at Zanvoort. It's ridiculous that this is, this is how it is. Absolutely ridiculous. But I guess it is what it is. Uh, the FIA really, really messed up today. At no point did anybody have any clue what was happening. The broadcast booth at Sky, they had no clue. Teams were constantly calling Michael Massey and trying to ask him what the hell was happening. And the entire time, the FIA gave, like, zero updates. So hopefully that gets changed for the future. Really just embarrassing day. Obviously, there's going to be all – uh, at least a class action lawsuit coming out of this. Um, Formula One acknowledged that a race didn't happen before saying that it did happen. Fans never actually saw a race. And I guess the definition of race, what is a race and what isn't a race, will definitely come into question here because there's no way somebody doesn't sue over over this. Um, and they probably have a very good cha um, case. But, yeah. So, yeah, Formula One's back next weekend at Zanvoort. Um which is so far away from Spa that they couldn't race on Monday. So far, in fact, that, like, your your car couldn't get there on just a single tank of gas. Except it could. And then probably get back, too. Maybe. How many miles was it? Let's see here. Let me get this pulled back up again. 298 kilometers. What is that? 0.6 of a mile. Doing some math in my head here. 
definitely not looking it up on Google. I forgot what I said. 298. We'll just call it 300. 186 miles. If you had a Prius, you could drive there, back, there, and probably all the way back again on a single tank of gas. Unbelievable. Unbelievable that they said they couldn't do that. Oh, my God. It's embarrassing. It's so embarrassing. But, hey, at least that NASCAR race was pretty all right. So was the Xfinity race. The Arca race from Milwaukee today, not great. Taylor Gray didn't kill anybody, though, so that's a plus. But, yeah, we'll be back next week to talk about the Southern 500 and Zanvort. Um, yeah, follow us on Twitter at BreakHard underscore. Facebook is BreakHardBlog. Check out the blog. BreakHard.com. I'll have our playoff selections available tomorrow. And I'll definitely have something written about Formula One fiasco as well. So, yeah. See you guys all again next week.